my dear friend, Karina. <laughs> Marilyn. Such a good friend. I could go on and on and on about Marilyn for the next hour. If you don't know this woman, you need to get to know her. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I'm so honored to call her my friend. Really. She and Sherry over there. We've been friends for a long time. We go way back. Way before Blazing Fire. It's good. <laughs> well, it's good in here tonight. Parties are... Hi, Nancy. My... Other friend, we have lots of friends, good old family going on in here. Party's already started. It's good stuff. Party, party, a blazing fire. And uh, yeah, thank you, Joe, for what you carry, what you brought. You and Anna are such gifts to our family. And man, thank you. We honor you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I um. Thankfully, I have a really great father, and um, <laughs> he didn't have to leave. <laughs> I have a really amazing father, and he, he's always telling me how proud he is of me and always encouraging me to go after my dreams, and I love my dad. He's awesome. So coming into a church where we, our pastor is uh, very preaches a lot about the Father's love and really gets the Father's love, was uh, nice to come into that, and um, yeah, it felt really natural for me, but to let it go even deeper was so good, and we're so blessed, aren't we? We really are <laughs> to have a pastor, Brent and Suzanne, who support us and are always encouraging us, seeing the treasures in us, and man, it's good stuff, but um, anyway... It's not going to just be me up here tonight. It's going to be a little bit of a variety, so you're not going to have to just stare at me all night. And we have some really great people that are going to share, but I'm going to kind of give a little bit of a foundation. And uh, so the title of my message is Arise and Shine. And it's going to be, I tried to do a few slides. I never do this. It's, it's I'm, yeah, but anyway. Yay! Arise and shine, for your light has come. So I'm going to read from Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen over you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. This is such a good scripture if you really kind of take it apart. And it says, your light has already come. Arise and shine. Your light has already come. Your light has come. What does that mean? So um, there is a word from Bethel. I can't remember one of those awesome guys said this. It's probably Chris. That we're moving from, and it was years ago, but I really feel like it's for now, that we're moving from the pool of Bethesda into Ezekiel's river. Do you guys remember that? 
Anybody else? Nobody? Well, I don't know. Maybe I dreamt it. But anyway, I really feel like that is for, um, for us, for the church, for Blazing Fire right now. Kind of what that means is, you know, the pool of Bethesda was really contained. And we're moving to a place where Ezekiel's River goes outside of the church, outside of the walls of the church. And as you heard Renee speaking, giving her testimony tonight, we're a church that does that. Um, we do treasure hunts and all that, but um, feeling like even more so. Like, what does that look like in our workplace and in the areas that we're really passionate about? So that's kind of what we're going to talk about, and you're going to hear from some people in a while that are doing that in their area of influence. And you're going to be so encouraged by the time you leave here, and you're not going to leave here anymore thinking, why am I at my crummy job anymore? <laughs> that's, that's the point, to really ask God, why am, I, all right, why am I at where I am at right now? Why do you have me in this job that I'm in? Or why am I a stay-at-home mom right now? Wherever you're at, okay? Sound good? Um, so yeah, so part of that's understanding um, God is very strategic and he's not like, oh, you know, go get a job over there. And he, he, he's placed us in these different areas of influence for a reason. And Jesus, you know, if you look at Jesus in the Bible, he was very, um, he would go and jump right in the middle of chaos. And he would say, you know, he was very involved with what was very current, what was going on. He wouldn't run away from it. He didn't run away from darkness. He was like, I want to go right there in the middle. I want to be with the prostitutes. He would probably be, you know, in every club <laughs> today. He's like, I want to know what's going on in the government. Jesus was right there, right? And I love that about him. And I feel like he models, he's modeled that for a reason for us, saying, you guys have the answers. I want you in these places because we're brilliant. We have answers the world is looking for. I don't always feel that way. <laughs> and I know probably other people don't feel that way. But, you know, the more um, we start to see ourselves as Jesus sees us, we're going to start believing, okay, God, all right, I can do this. I have courage, like we've been talking about, stepping out afraid. Are you courageous people? Yes, good. Good, good. Awesome. <laughs> yes. So one thing um, that um, I've kind of heard, and, well, I became a Christian when I was 18, and for some reason I would always hear this, that people would say, you know, I'm called into ministry. And so they would think that means that one day I'm going to be a pastor. And I, I didn't really understand what that, when I was 18, I was like, what does that mean being called into ministry? So you're a full-time pastor, you're on staff at a church, or you're, you know, in some remote place in some other country. And I think that a lot of times we believe that, you know, that ministry is really... Um, that's just for the pastors that's in the church. I mean, we know that we're all ministers of the gospel. I think we all know that. But um, really, when you think about it, like in this room, it's probably 1% of people that are on staff at Blazing Fire. And most churches, right, or 2%. I don't know what the percentage is. But anyway, 
wherever you're at is, is your mission field. And I think a lot of us know that, but we need encouragement sometimes, don't we? We need to know, okay, there's more purpose behind this. Wherever I'm, whatever I'm doing, it's not, because um, it can feel mundane, and it can feel like, okay, yay, Saturday night's here, woohoo! now I get to hang out and hang out with all my friends and worship and all that, and there's got to be something more, right? There's got to be something more. All right. <laughs> I feel so funny with this thing. I love this, this picture. Todd gave me this. It, I just feel like it's a good picture of taking it out. And um, the world, I think, is really looking for us to, um, to really, I shared this at our um, heart revival service, but Really, wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, the world is really looking for us to be ourselves and to be authentic and genuine. And I kind of know, I kind of feel like this might be some things we know, but really to reiterate that we don't need to make it so complex that a lot of times people are just looking for um, authenticity and... um, but, you know, it can be scary to really show up and be yourself in your workplace or around your family. But being yourself is huge. And it can make such a difference wherever you're at, being yourself. So that's uh, my encouragement for us. Be yourself. You don't have to look like anybody else. Um, I want to share a little bit about... Um, because some of you might think, oh, well, she's a leader, a pastor at Blazing Fire, and she's in ministry all the time, but no. <laughs> um, I have been working since I was 14 years old, and my mom right away was like, you get a job, and you have to pay for your own everything, and when you start driving, you have to pay for your own insurance. Is anybody else like that? Oh, yeah, look at y'all. Yep. You, you pay your way. You, if you want makeup or you want shoes, you got to buy it and, um, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I've been working for a long time. I'm, I'm 41, and I'm happy to say I'm 41. <laughs> so that's 20-something years. And um, so I've had a few different jobs before I really found out what I'm really passionate about and what area God really wants to use me in. And so for about 10 years, I did home health care. And um, it was really hard work, let me tell you. It was an honor to do it, to do it at times, but it's not always easy. And I hurt my back, you know, it's a, little, a lot of aches and pains, but... God really used me in that area. I can look back and say, wow, there's lots of stories. And I remember one time, um, it was kind of a rough day, and I felt like I was always the person that would train other people. And I didn't always enjoy that. I was like, why do I have to train people? <laughs> you know, with a little bit of an attitude, <laughs> you know. And um, and then God was just started speaking to me and like, this is like an honor that you get to train people and um, look at it differently, look at it with a you know, different perspective. So I was training this new girl um, how to, Todd hates when I say this word, suction. 
a trick. <laughs> Suction. <laughs> I don't know why he hates that word so much. Whenever I used to say that. People in the medical field probably feel, are fine with that, right? Anybody in the medical field? Oh, Marilyn. Yeah. Yes? Do you have a question? Because she would call me from work at times, and I would hear this in the background. And just knowing she's doing that to somebody's throat. Oh. Whatever. Whatever. It's natural. <laughs> Gotta do what you gotta do. No big deal. Anyway, I was teaching her how to do trach care, tracheotomy, you know, the gal had a tracheotomy and then feeding tubes. She had a feeding tube as well, so I was teaching her how to take care of a feeding tube. And she was really nervous. I could tell she was, the gal was like shaking and she was sweating and she was very nervous. And I asked her, what's wrong? And she said, um, I have this learning processing disorder. Anytime I try to learn something new, I get really tense and I forget everything and I'm, not, I'm just really not able to learn new things. So I told her, oh, it's going to be okay. You're, you've got this. It's going to be all right. And um, tried to be really soft and patient with her and gentle. Had a real soft voice, mama voice, and was real slow. And um, anyway, we went through the whole process, and by the time we were done, she said, oh, my gosh, that thing that normally happens didn't click in, where I tense up and I, you know, forget. I was like, wow, that's so cool. And she said the other cool thing is um, I was training at the hospital, and a gal, a, a Russian gal named Karina with the same name was training me, and that happened. I, I tensed up. She was a little bit harsh and short with me, and I couldn't learn, but this has never happened. So I thought, wow, this is so cool. And um, I didn't feel like, you know, I could pray for her at the moment. I just put my hand on her back and, and prayed under my breath. But yeah, we are so strategically placed in our areas for a reason. And um, yeah, there was other things that happened at that job where people would just stop in and wanted to talk or cry on my shoulder and, um, and then in the last several years, I worked with um, children on the autism spectrum where um, that job was very challenging. And I have to say, I did not have a good attitude at all. <laughs> People that know me well know that. And I would complain, and I felt extremely challenged. And even when my supervisor would show up, I would um, kind of shut down to protect myself. I would feel like... Just, it was very hard for me. I felt like I wasn't qualified. It's called applied behavior analysis where you kind of run different programs with kids on, that have autism. And it, I don't know, I felt very challenged. But um, So one day I prayed and um, I had a, a client, a young boy, and he had lots of behaviors and he would, you know, like punch me. And if you're, if you're not looking, you have to be really fast on your feet. And he, doesn't, he didn't know any better. This is such a sweetheart. And um, he, he really was sweet, but he, he just, he wasn't able to verbalize. He, yeah, Diane knows she's a speech therapist, but he wasn't able to um, verbalize what was going on, so he would act out in other ways and, and bite and punch. So when you're doing your paperwork, it's like you kind of got to 
keep your, your eyes open. But anyway, I started praying, God, okay, I know I'm here for a reason. I need your help. So I, all of a sudden, Holy Spirit just kind of started speaking to me, and I started coming up with some new programs that were really more efficient for the company and uh, really worked well. And then the next day, I had several families, parents that talked to me, and they were started opening up to me about their children and how they just started crying, and I was able to comfort them because, you know, it's really um, can be very challenging, yeah, to have a child um, that has special needs, and um, people look at you and stare at you when you're in the grocery store. People don't understand. So um, I prayed with one mom. She let me pray with her, and um, anyway... I just want to encourage us to really ask God, what am I doing here? What, why am I at this Starbucks? Why am I at this grocery store? Why am I at this business? Um, so much bigger than outside the walls of the church because we do talk a lot about, um, you know, we talk a lot about different areas inside the church, but the, ma- the majority of us in here work outside of the church. This is what we do Monday through Friday, Right. So I think it's good to talk about some of these things. All right? Yeah. Um, what time is it? I want to honor the people I asked to share. Are you guys doing okay? Good. Good. So asking Jesus for brilliant solutions, we, we have his DNA. We have the ability to think brilliantly, and it's all him. It's all Jesus inside of us to bring answers that the world is looking for wherever we're at, even if, if um, yeah, whatever, wherever you're doing. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you have, oh, my goodness, do you know what an honor that is to raise children and to come up with ways to teach your children? And um, it, it is it's so much more than... Just being a mom, being a stay-at-home mom. Being a mom is probably one of the most honorable things, or a stay-at-home dad is one of the most honorable privileges you could possibly have. Um, so I, I want to encourage us in that because it, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, I say that because. I know for myself, there was times where whatever I was doing one or the other, and you always feel like the grass is greener on the other side. Well, if only I could work. And then once you start working, you're like, this sucks. I wish I could stay home again. I hate getting up to the alarm and never being with my children. I want to be the one to raise my children. And then you're home with your children, and it's that whole thing of, man, they're getting on my nerves, you know? (laughs) We love our children. Our kids are older now, and we adore them. <laughs> but <laughs> just being real, sometimes when they're smaller, they, they could be challenged. It's an honor. It's, they're awesome, but I mean, there are times when they're smaller, <laughs> and they're climbing all over. And we, we were laughing the other day, telling Sierra, our daughter, and Josiah how they used to wake us up when they were about two with a gallon of milk in our face. <laughs> I remember like, wake up, that was our alarm clock. They would just put milk right in our face. <laughs> like, okay, time to wake up. 
And then they move on to the stage where they can actually pour the milk in the cereal bowl. And it's so lovely when they learn how to make their own breakfast. But then you miss when they can't, <laughs> you know. Anyway, all the fun stages. But our kids are awesome and wonderful and all that. But um, anyway, I, I thought about in this area of um, being uh, influencing different areas outside of the church, Joseph. And Joseph is such a great example of, of doing this. And I had thought, what if Joseph, after he was sold into slavery, decided, I'm going to just be a victim and I'm going to go climb in a cave? And wouldn't that be horrible? But he didn't do that. So I, I love this picture. I don't know. For some reason, I thought, that's young Joseph to me. But there was something in him that decided, I am going to rise above my circumstance and God made sure that uh, the dream inside of him would be fulfilled, that he was going to fulfill that dream inside of him, right? And um, he became the most influential man next to Pharaoh in all of Egypt. So I'm going to kind of just go over this story real quick. But Joseph was given, you know, this prophecy, and he didn't really quite understand the full meaning of it when he had the dream. So he has this dream about being the head, and in his mind, that could mean, well, I'll be the head over the house of Jacob. But God was like, no, let's think bigger now. You're going to be ruler over Egypt under the house of Pharaoh. And um, I think it was Lance Wallnau or someone, probably Lance because he's so brilliant. But he says that a lot of times what we do is with our dreams and prophecies, we belittle them so much and we think, oh, you know, that is probably for in the church or that's for in my family, which that's all really good. But God is all about spreading his glory all over the whole earth, right? There, there's a whole, the whole earth. And I really feel like what we carry is something special. And not, not just blazing fire, but all the churches in general carry something. We carry Christ, his DNA inside of us. So I want to challenge us, if you have um, dreams, if you have prophecies, to look at those with different lenses and ask Jesus, what is, is this for, you know, my local church? Is this for my family? Is this huger? Because huger, is that a word? No, Todd said no. Bigger, bigger, bigger. <laughs> yeah, it's not a word. So, so this now, whatever. So what? Um, thank you, Nancy. Always encouraging me. I need encouragement. I do. It's not one of my love languages, but I realize I really do need encouragement sometimes. <laughs> I do. Yes, bigger. Bigger and more. We carry something special. Special. Each one of you carries something so special. You do. And I, 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 want, I would love to see what you carry. Man, go global. Go, you know. To be, to be widespread, bigger than, than what you're dreaming. If you have, all of our dreams matter. They really do. A few weeks at our um, Heart Revival service, everybody began to write all their dreams out. And I was like, wow, these are really huge, amazing dreams. And 
And I, it was, took so much courage for people to come up and write those. So think big. It's good. So Joseph, he definitely had this call to lead on his life. Even when he was in prison, the, the prison warden said, you know, I want you to take charge over all these prisoners. Even in prison, he had a call to lead. So um, here we go. We're going to read one more long scripture. And then don't worry, I'm going to call up some other people in one minute. But this is Genesis 41, verse 37, where um, he was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. You don't even have to get your Bibles out. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the spirit of God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, Clearly, no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Wow. Joseph said to, or Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh re- removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen cloth, clothing, and hung a gold chain around his neck. Gold chain around his neck? That sounds cool. Bling, bling. bling. I know. Swag. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot. Joseph was, yeah, he had some swag. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot, reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt, and Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. And then later, through Joseph's leadership, he was able to prevent a whole famine. You know, after that, you can read the story. It's so such a great story. I'm so encouraged by it. But these are the solutions we have. And um, what time is it? Okay, I'm going to move on quickly, but... Um, for me, um, the more I'm discovering, you know, I had all these jobs I talked about, but for me, I've discovered my biggest passion is the heart is in the area of justice. And the definition of that I have is the restoration of everything that would violate love. The definition, yeah, the restoration of everything that would violate love. And for me, Um, this so resonates with me. Pulling drowning people out of the river is compassion. So compassion is a good thing. But we have to walk upstream to solve the reasons why they are falling in. That's justice. And that is so my heart in um, so many areas. But specifically, I know I talk about this all the time, probably like a broken record. But when you're passionate about something, you talk about it a lot. (laughs) Thank you. So specifically in the area of sex trafficking, human trafficking, and so passionate about that. And so, but still, even that area is so big. So, you know, I can go and serve at the safe house, which, um, you know, when you're passionate about something and God puts a dream in your heart, you take small steps like, okay, I'm going to start serving here. I'm going to learn from what they do. And I'm, I'm going to bake cookies with these girls. I'm going to Whatever they ask me to do, drive them to appointments or whatever, um, sit with them, hold their hand, whatever they need. But one, what God has really been stirring on me is partnering with this other organization where we go into the high schools 
and um, they have so much favor. I can't believe the favor on this organization, but they have this curriculum where they go and teach high school students about prevention and about human trafficking and looking for signs of violence and relationships and, you know, some of the tougher schools in the Bay Area. And it's, it's so amazing. And some of the kids, they, they don't want to hear it, and some of them really do. But watching God move. And so to me, that's, that's, that's justice and going to the root of the problem and talking to young boys and saying, I believe in you. Um, what time is it? How much time do I have? My thing with time. Okay, I think we're pretty good for my other people to have time to share, because after this, then they're coming up. But I, I want to share a quick testimony. Um, so I recently went to... Did I share this testimony already about going into... Hmm? In wildfire? Okay. Well, I'm going to share it, because it's so cool. Um, so we went to this one high school, and I was so like nervous to go and all these feelings were coming up because I knew I was going to have to participate and part of it was doing a skit and and I didn't feel prepared and I was nervous and all that and and I thought oh no I'm going to look really stupid in front of all these high school 1400 high school students and whatever get over yourself get over it and and allow God to move and but that was difficult and anyway so I go in and I'm kind of sitting next to some young boys who are very, um, you know, they were actually, I think they're in a gang. They're really tough. And um, so we have some survivors sharing their story about being, Todd put a time clock there for me. We have some survivors sharing their story, being very vulnerable. And some of these young boys are mocking them and making fun of them. And it's really getting to me because these, the, it takes a lot of courage for these young girls to get in the middle of 1,400 students and share their story of being trafficked. And I am getting pissed. Can I say that? I was. <laughs> I, I was. I was getting angry. And so I'm kind of telling them, stop, you know, be quiet. Stop, stop that. And I'm not afraid because I grew up in Richmond. And I'm like, I, whatever. I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> Richmond? Um, anyway, I grew up in a tougher neighborhood. Whatever, I'm, I wasn't afraid. So I was telling them, stop, stop, mama. And they wouldn't listen to me. And, but, you know, afterwards, I approached the young boy. And he's like, oh, you know, like, oh, you're going to turned me into the principal, and he's very scared because all of a sudden his friends aren't right there. And God just changes my heart for him, and I approach him. I said, I just want to tell you that I think under all that joking, you really have a heart of gold. I see that in you, and I think someday you're going to show other young men how to respect young women someday. And um, I said, I don't think anyone's ever told this to you before, but I really believe in you. And other things I saw about him, tough kid. And he looks at me and he, you know, he just kind of looks up with his head down and then he has like a little tear coming out of his eye. And sweetheart, and he says, thank you. And um, he couldn't move. You know, his friends are kind of close by and they're like, come on, let's go. 
Why are you talking to her? Um, but I knew that just that one little word of encouragement that maybe no one ever saw that in him before could shift. Because unfortunately, a lot of these young boys aspire to be a pimp and to sell, you know, tra- to sell these young girls. And these, these kids are missing from the classroom as they're out on the track every day. And um, so I thought, I, my mission, whenever I do go to the schools, is I thought it was going to be for the girls because of my compassion and my, my heart for them. But it is that. But a lot of it is I, I really have a heart to pour into these tough young men that have that tough exterior and to tell them who they really are. So anyway, it, it's so important that we find out what we're passionate about. And even in whatever area you're passionate about, to know it can be so broad. And there's so much you can do, but to zero in and uh, to find that. So um, anyway, that's probably enough for me to talk. And uh, I'm going to call up some really... <sighs> Good. <laughs> Honestly, most of the time, most days I feel like I'm not doing, you know, you feel you struggle with your own stuff, and I'm still in the process of dealing with some heart issues, but even in the midst of that, you know, you're, I think I've probably shared this before, you're never going to feel like you totally have it together or never need another sozo again, but it's in the midst of that that God continues to bring healing to our hearts and um, step out with him and listen to his truth over us and hear him say, you can do this, honey. You can do this. I believe in you. It's, you know, it's not about what we do, but it's, we get, it's the honor to do it with him, and it's fun. So um, I think first I, I have three people that are going to share, and each one of them is... Um, making a really huge impact in different areas. So you're going to maybe connect with these different areas. And um, not so we, I don't think we have every single probably area of mountain. I know there's is there seven different mountains of influence. We don't have every single one. We only have three. But you're going to connect and be encouraged. But um, the first one I'm going to call up is...